0: The big story from the Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. Counting down to the final days of 2022, you're watching The Big Story with me Harianto Diman. Subscribe to the Straits Times channel so you will not miss an episode. 2022 is almost over and 2023 is just around the corner. Now, what will the new year bring? Will it once again be dominated by COVID-19? It comes as China is battling a big surge in cases at a time when the country is about to open up its borders for the first time in three years. The move has sparked concerns that this could lead to a new global spread of the coronavirus. South Korea has joined Italy, the US, Japan and India in requiring COVID-19 tests on travelers from China. And Malaysia Today said it is stepping up surveillance by screening all travelers for fever and testing wastewater samples from aircraft coming from China. Here in Singapore, the Ministry of Health is maintaining its current rules for travellers from China but will adjust its border health measures should the need arise. Professor Dale Fisher, Senior Infectious Diseases Consultant at NUH, joins me now. Professor, why is Singapore taking a different approach from other countries like the US, Japan and Italy in its health border measures for travellers from China? Now, there have already been instances of two recent flights from China to Milan where nearly half of the passengers were positive for COVID-19 upon arrival.
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks, uh, Harry Anto. Um, I think the first thing to do is, is think of why we're concerned, uh, and what is the risk of, uh, travelers from China coming into Singapore. And, and I look on it as having two concerns. One is the threat to Singapore residents. And one is, is there a threat to the health system? So for the first one in, in Singapore, we're obviously very resilient. We're very well vaccinated, well boosted. And, uh, and, and, uh, of course, Probably everyone's already had it by now, so so the risk of severe disease in in Singaporeans is 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 very low. And admittedly, though, if there are a large number of travellers coming from China, I'm not sure uh, how many are, are are likely to be coming in and how many of those will be infected. But but we could see a surge in 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 mild cases. So so I guess that's the best way to look at the. The threat to Singapore residents. The, the other one is the threat to the, the health system. Uh, I think that's of of some concern. Um, Chinese visitors uh, may still have the, the same mindset that we had a year ago. If you remember when uh, we started transitioning towards endemicity, even people with mild disease were were, were madly rushing to the hospital and hospitals were, were seeing, you know, a lot of patients that that now, of course, people are much more confident to to stay at home and recover at home. So, so if uh, travellers from China have still got that same mindset that even a mild disease they need to to rush to hospital, then then that could be a problem. But I, I think that can be dealt with with some instruction or education. And as they arrive, uh, tell them about testing themselves uh, when and where and how to access you know which health service in in singapore if they do get symptoms and isolating themselves if they've got symptoms and wearing masks i think uh, sort of bringing them up to the same standard i guess of uh, of how singaporeans manage their own covid um, would would go um a long way towards managing you know what what could be a bit uh, a little bit of a problem but I, i'm not convinced that really testing of asymptomatic travelers will add much to to ensuring vaccination of residents and travelers of course so uh, of course most of the uh, the travelers well, they should all be vaccinated so again they're they're mostly likely to have mild disease as well so so I think these types of measures uh, will make the situation manageable, uh, and of course, setting up testing is not uh, not not so straightforward or cheap. Uh, so we wouldn't want to do it unless we were confident that it was really necessary. We we know it won't capture all the cases. The tests aren't one hundred percent sensitive, and a lot of people will only present a few days later anyway. So. So, uh, uh, you know, is it going in other countries, is it going to be linked with follow-up tests, which which won't be easy? Is a, is a positive test going to be linked with supervised isolation? We certainly would struggle with that in, in, in Singapore because obviously all the hotels are back to business as usual. So they're not available for, for quarantine purposes. And And then I guess the final issue is... We simply have to be more, more resilient and, and we are, that's what we've, we've worked towards and, and what we are and we can't, every time a country has a surge, uh, we shouldn't have to turn our own situation upside down. We need to, to, to be ready and able to, to manage these these things.
0: The latest data out of China shows no new COVID-19 variant has emerged in spite of the large number of infections spreading throughout the country. Prof, what is the likelihood of a new variant emerging and what factors could contribute to its emergence?
1: Well, for it to emerge, it has to be, be, have a survival advantage. It has to be better than Omicron, uh, which is obviously a very successful virus. So, so really, it'd have to be a variant that, that escapes the immunity that, that we've all earned through vaccine and, and through natural infection. And the point is, we, we haven't seen that. And we've, we've been going for three years. We've had um, billions of infections, surely. And we're just not seeing it because... Co- coronaviruses tend to uh, do what we call it which is drifting uh, you, you'll see smaller mutations, but you don't get that sort of large shift in genetic material that you can see with a with a novel influenza virus, for instance. so so you know I think as time goes by we can be more reassured that we're not going to be suddenly hit by a completely... Uh, different strain of uh, of SARS-CoV-2, uh, which which escapes immunity and, and 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 sort of allows severe disease um, to to become more normal. Because at the moment, obviously, with the vaccine and with past infection, you know the vast majority of cases are, um, are mild again.
0: And Prof, uh, even when a new variant does emerge and it's found to be dangerous, what are Singapore's options?
1: well i think um everyone knows the drill right um whether it's a, a a new novel agent from a species jump and we see this happen all the time with ebola in africa we've seen it happen with sars one and civet cats and mers and camels and things like that so um you know wh- whether it's a completely new agent or whether it's a a major genetic change but, but for instance, in, in influenza, when H1N1 was really quite different and we were, we were not immune to that. Um, so so the, these threats will continue to, to exist and, and our preparedness needs to, to sort of remain strong. But, you know, the first, the first uh, step would be, you know, the mask mandates and limiting the size of gatherings, which were the last thing to go. But if there was a high mortality, you know, I can imagine border restrictions could come back in and, and, and really the best value of the border restrictions was really to allow us to, to buy time until there was a, a vaccine. So, so yeah, we could see border restrictions come back in that situation where we had to buy time, create a new vaccine, vaccinate the whole population and then allow us to, to have an immune system that could confront you know any any uh, agent going forward so you know but the the efforts that we've done in the last 3 years people know them well and and those that have to be applied if things went south again in the future